0: Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. These are the Prison Epistles. Have you ever been around kids that are just so excited about something that um, it almost seems like their mouth just can't go fast enough for the thoughts zipping through their head? Uh, At times with my kids when they're they're really, really excited about something, particularly like a ride or something like that, sometimes all they can get out is and 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 it's like the thoughts are just coming so quick and they're so excited that all they can get out is the transition in between their thoughts That's all their mouth can keep that's the only thing their mouth can keep up with. Um, I remember when Aubrey uh, went to her first uh, movie in the theaters. it was Paddington 2 she came home and she was just so excited to tell me all about this movie and but but uh, she she wasn't even able to finish one thought before she was on to the next and she was telling about the ending and then it was jumping to the middle and then jumping to the beginning and then jumping to this random thing about uh, marmalade and then uh, and she just she was so excited she couldn't organize her thoughts fast enough and it just kind of came out uh, all at once. And, and and this is actually, I think, what, what's going on here in this, this text today in Ephesians. That uh, Paul is just so excited about this gospel. He's so excited about what God is doing. The revelation he's seen of Jesus. What he sees God doing in the midst uh, of the Gentile Christians and the Spirit being poured out. Uh, and this new thing that, he's, that people have been waiting thousands of years for is finally breaking in. And so he's so excited that um, the, the text we see today, is it's one sentence. There's no punctuation. Uh, he's probably dictating it to someone who's writing down as fast as they can. Uh, and, and you get this sense of just how excited Paul is about what's going on. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. So he's talking about... Uh, I mean, the fact that, that these Gentiles were on the outside, they were excluded, they were other, they were, we were condemned uh, in our sin. But, but Jesus in grace and mercy has finally, he's broken in, he's paid for our sin, and, and he's adopted both Jews and Gentiles. And he's building a new temple, he's doing something new, and his spirit is finally here. And, and for this reason, he's kneeling in prayer, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named, He's praying for these uh, Ephesian Christians, for the Ephesian church, and he's praying that they would know the unknowable, that they would have uh, this understanding of who God is and that it would be at the very foundation of their faith and the outworking of their faith. They would come to a deeper and deeper, ever-deepening understanding of who God is. And so um, perhaps a little similar to the prayer that we did Um, Last week, I think it's an important exercise uh, just to slow down and stop and ask what is the height? What is the depth? What is the width? What is the breadth of this God that we're talking about? And that we can have the same kind of uh, excited passion about what God is doing, and that that would be what drives us into into a life of faith. So uh, if you picture, very much unlike Paul was doing here, picture a, a skyscraper. Uh, and and we start by going to the the roof of a skyscraper, by by going to the heights of it. What is the height? And and looking out at just the breadth, the height uh, of what we can see of of, of this view. And, And in my mind, I go to, for example, astronomy and looking at at the magnitude of what God has created. I mean, it's, it is the largest thing that we can observe is, is our universe itself. And so what is the height of this God that we're talking about, that Paul is so excited about? Um, and you look out at the, at the view and you see, for example, something like the fact that the earth is spinning at a 1,000 miles per hour, that we currently, as we sit wherever you are, you're currently spinning at a 1,000 miles an hour as we rotate. And the earth is moving 67,000 miles an hour around the sun. So we're spinning and we're, we're hurtling, we're orbiting through space. Just just wrap your head around the magnitude of where we are, of what's going on. In the Milky Way, our galaxy is hurtling through space at around 515,000 miles an hour. So, so we're spinning and we're orbiting and we're also flying this is all going on as we speak right now. Do you know that if if our sun were the size of a, a front door, so picture your front door, if our sun was that size, um, the the Earth would be the size of a nickel. So just think about how small the Earth is in comparison to the sun. And our sun is just one of a hundred billion stars in the Milky Way galaxy, our galaxy alone. And, and to travel across only our galaxy, our one little galaxy, at the speed of light, it would take you a hundred thousand years to cross it. You Look at, at the magnitude of who this God is, who holds it all simply in the palm of his hand. We come and we stand breathless at the height of who this God is. And from there, we, we travel perhaps down into the basement of our, our skyscraper, down a, a, to explore the foundation b- beneath. And and for me, I, I think about the, the microscopic. We've gone from uh, astronomy, and now I, I like to go from there into biology. And you look at the complexity and and, and the subtlety of, of what God has created. Um, my wife, Jen, is a biology teacher, and she just loves this stuff because uh, science and faith are not opposed, but but rather, through science, we see what it is that God has made, and, and we see the beauty and the intricacy and the complexity and the magnitude of the creation around us, of, of how He's done it. And so you look within, for example, just the, the microscopic, you take one cubic centimeter of air, that's like a sugar cube. You, you look at just a sugar cube, and within that that little cubic centimeter of air, There's 2.5 times 10 to the 19th number of molecules. That's 2 a 5 and 18 zeros. 18, that's how many molecules are in one cubic centimeter. And then you go into the cells, into the cells in our body. And it's amazing. Um, One of the things I find amazing is that we have these molecular motors um, all through our our cells that our body is filled with them. there, there There are propellers in our cells, there's pumps, there's switches, there's there's tweezers, there's sensors, there's scanners, there's gates, all these, these, these mechanisms e- exist inside of, of our living cells, billions of them. And one of the coolest ones um, is the shuttle. And if you, I mean, you can look it up, but there's this this um, molecular motor that that's a shuttle, and it carries things through the cells. It carries information, or or, or sometimes junk. It carries it in our cells, and it looks like uh, it looks like a 70s cartoon, sort of leaned back and walking with big exaggerated leg movements. But these things are walking and carrying things. These these little. Shuttles that are walking in our cells, like the molecular motors. I mean, when you, when, you, when, you, when you look at this, it's amazing. It's mind-blowing that all this is going on. And if it didn't exist, life wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be here. The amazing complexity and the depths to God's creation. And we, we look at that, and we, again, should stand in awe. Uh, then we walk outside of our skyscraper and we look at just the sheer magnitude of this building, the breadth of what it is, and and it brings me again into into theology, into God's attributes. And as we look at the, the, the God has existed eternally, that before the universe existed, before He said, "Let there be light," that God always was and God always will be. We look at the eternality of God. We look at His omnipotence, that that He's all-powerful and can do all things. And you just stop and you reflect on that, the omnipotence of God. And then His omnipresence, that He's He's every place, fully at every moment in the universe. and We begin to wrap our heads around just the the magnitude of who God is, let alone we, we try and wrap our heads around the Trinity, that God is Father. The God of Son, the God of Spirit, and it's known as the, this perichoresis, which is this dance of, of three and one, one and three, and they dance in authority and submission to each other in this, this perfect harmony and unity and community and perfect love. And as we examine the, the breadth of who God is, again, we just stand in awe. And then we go to the width where maybe we walk in the building and we start looking at the size of some of the rooms and how many rooms there are. And we look at I think it I think it brings us to a place of looking at what is, who is man that God is mindful of him that that He would make a place for us in Psalm eight. We look at what God has done. We look at the cross, that in the cross we have the propitiation of God that the, the, the wrath of God which is which is which is due us that we deserve the wrath of God for our sin. Um, that instead of pouring it out on us, he pours it out on Jesus so that he can make a place for us. And then, you know, you look at the adoption and the redemption and all these words that we've been talking about at Ephesians. That God would make a place for us, that we, his creation, that we rebelled, that we are, are, are in treason, that we spit in his face and reject him, that we're like a rabid dog that bites, yet he, in his love and grace, has chosen and adopted and called us. I think, I think in some ways that's the width the beauty of what God has done. And so as we step back and as we as we, we try and grapple and just meditate on, on the height and the depth and the, the, the width and the breadth of, of God and, and the gospel that is so good, I think it leads us to a place of just worship, of gratitude, of worship. Uh, and that's really the place, I think, where when Paul calls us to, to live out our faith, to do good works, to do justice, mercy, and to walk humbly, it actually starts first by just coming ever anew to this deeper understanding of who God is, uh, of wrestling with that, allowing it to wash over us. We stand in awe so so that we're excited to respond because God goes first, because God has done it on our behalf. And so Paul's prayer for the Ephesian church, and it's my prayer for all of us, that we would have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that we might be filled with the fullness of God. And then verse 20, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, remember this God, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And may, may those thoughts wash over us the surpassing greatness, that knowing the unknowable, the unsearchable riches of Christ, and that it would lead us to bring him glory in the church and in the world, in every generation as we grow in this deepening understanding. Um, some, some food, hopefully, to bring, uh, bring some insight, perspective, and some worship today. Let's pray. Father, uh, help us. Have the eyes to see i mean you peeled the scales off paul's eyes i pray that you peel them off ours too so that we can see you anew afresh. that we don't um we don't get satisfied with previous understandings of you but that it would be ever deepening ever growing the magnitude of who you are the complexity and the beauty of what you've done your nature your attributes of how wonderful you are and how good grace is that you would pour it out on us and and that out of that, knowing those things, that would be the foundation for our life of faith as we respond to what you've done. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, Hope you have a great day. Let us know if there's anything we can do to help. We're here for you.